Hi, friends. It's Saturday, and that means another episode of Occam's Razor with your host, Dan Butterfield. There's no pandering to any specific affinity group or groups on this program. By design, Occam's Razor allows the facts to dictate the narrative, not the other way around. The natural consequence? The agenda-driven narratives of the so-called mainstream media will be called into question, not your intelligence. You're not going to be told what to think on in this program. You're going to be trusted to think for yourself. What you will get on Occam's Razor? Insights available nowhere else. If you'd like to reach out to me, I can be contacted via email at orbydb at gmail.com. That's O-R-B-Y-D-B at gmail.com. That's six simple letters. Easy peasy. Friends, there's no better time to expose the youth of their, our country to critical reasoning than in their high school or college age years. So I encourage you, have your young people come join the program. No spin, no agenda, just pure critical reasoning, a skill set your kids can draw upon for the rest of their lives. Check out my website, danbutterfield.com. Two uh, liberal media ner- false narratives are tackled and debunked coronavirus and impeachment folks only through the information can you take back the power for the mainstream media and make no mistake about it if you don't challenge the power brokers they're not going to change on their on their own volition again that's danbutterfield.com we do the work of the fourth estate well today what are we going to talk about well there's a lot of things to talk about a lot of things in the news the w who the world health organization says don't count on the vaccine being a silver bullet didn't know we were hunting werewolves but i guess we are but I agree with that, and I've talked about that numerous times on this program. The vaccine, any vaccine that they're working on, is not going to be some magic elixir. It's not going to have 100% efficacy. So we are going down this path of vaccine, and we haven't entertained herd immunity. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, about that later in the show. Donald Trump laid out an idea of postponing the election until uh, next uh, or some time in, in the future. And he's still floating that idea out there. And as anticipated, he's gotten a tremendous amount of uh, pushback on that. The Oompa Loompa extended the lockdown until the end of August. We said this weeks and weeks ago. This was the outcome we should have expected. It's her paradigm. And if anybody believes that the lockdown will end at the end of August, I got news for you. I got a bridge to sell you in New York. Infections in New Mexico are on the rise. But hospitalizations and deaths aren't. So why... Why is this taking place? Dr. Scazy, whatever whatever his name is, says it's because more young people are testing positive. Is it really about the young people testing positive, or is it the fact that we're just testing more people, period? Flattening the curve. As I said, Dr. Scazy has no idea what he's talking about. He couldn't find his ass from a hole in the ground. He just couldn't. He is that lost with this stuff, because flattening the curve was always a deception. It was never real. It was the Oompa Loompa's way of locking down this economy. And it has nothing to do with science or reality. We've got in-person school, uh, uh, school being pushed back. Why? It's the unions. It's not science. They're saying, well, we fear the coronavirus. But do you fear the flu? The flu is actually more of an indiscriminate killer. And the flu is actually more harmful for, for young people than the coronavirus is. Restaurants can't have in-room dining, but they can serve customers outside. It's almost moronic. How do you get to that point? What, what is the thinking behind that? What is the difference between in-room dining and outside dining? There's nothing. There's really no difference between the two. But we're allowed to have more outside dining. Why? Because the Oompa Loompa had to give something. But here's the problem for the in-room versus outside room. Uh, outside dining. It's actually illegal to discriminate against one establishment 
because they may not have outside dining. You cannot discriminate that way. It's just illegal. But the Restaurant Association has not filed lawsuit against that, and they should. But, you know, again, if you do not challenge the powers that be, you will get this kind of bad behavior. And as I said, when we look at what the Oompa Loompa has done, there's no rhyme to re- or reason to what she's been doing because she doesn't live in reality. She lives in the dis- disconnected world. You got the NBA is back, and I've decided I can do without it. The level of hip- hypocrisy there is just over the top. You got all these people wearing, or players wearing jerseys, and you go like, I'm a man, freedom, black lives matter. You know, guys, guess what? I'm okay with you having a position on this stuff. But when I look back at what you, the NBA, did to Donald Sterling, the former owner of the L.A. Clippers, there's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy that is just over the top. And you didn't care about discriminating against Mr. Sterling. And he never used a derogatory comment toward black people, ever. But he was persecuted, lynched, by the NBA and by a lot of the black players. And yet now we have this level of hypocrisy. You've got Ellen DeGeneres. Did she or her show, her, her producers, did they engage in a level of uh, racism? The evidence seems to suggest, yeah, she did. But what do you have? You've got all these stars coming to her aid and saying, oh, no, she's a good person. Well, again, we've talked about racism on this program. And racism... Is something you cannot disprove. You can only prove. Donald Sterling never was proven to be a racist. Ellen DeGeneres' program has been proven, more than likely, that they did have some racist tendencies. And yet, Ellen DeGeneres is getting off scot-free. Donald Sterling lost his NBA franchise. And it was largely because of NBA players. These same ones that are wearing these slogans, I am man. Isn't Donald Sterling a man? Freedom. Isn't Donald Sterling a man? Doesn't he deserve the same rights that these players are asking for? Of course he does. But he won't get it. And there's the hypocrisy. And we'll never revisit that. That's the whole thing. It won't be revisited. Donald Sterling's saga won't be revisited. And yet the malfeasance by the NBA, by players, by the liberal media toward Mr. Sterling is over the top. Politics are in full swing in New Mexico. You have Ben Ray Lujan and Socia Torres Small. They're out there in full campaign mode. Uh, don't see a whole lot of signs of, of Republicans. Uh, you're looking at this new normal that's going to take place because you're going to mail in ballots. Well, let, let's understand something. If you're going to mail in ballots, then your season, your political season, is going to be cut short at least by four, maybe even six weeks. So you need to get out there now. But you get nothing out there from the Republicans, and you go like, guys, you can't wait that, that long. Otherwise, your voice is going to be neutered. So let's look at the, the World Health Organization, what they talk about with this vaccine not being a silver bullet. Of course it's not a silver bullet. It was never a silver bullet. We talked about that at nauseum on this program, that vaccines have only so much efficacy, only so much uh, benefit are you going to get from a vaccine? But that's now coming through with WHO. Uh, Administrator Fauci is saying, well, maybe you know, late this year, early fall time uh, next year for the vaccine. 
Go like, this is all getting back to herd immunity. And, and stay with me a little bit on this. A vaccine is actually an artificially created herd immunity. What I mean by that is, if you naturally go through herd immunity, that means people contract the virus. And then they become resistant, immune to any new infections of that virus. And therefore, they create a barrier. That virus can't penetrate into the population because it hits uh, an individual who's already contracted the virus. It goes like, ah, not a viable site means that you can't transfer that virus. That virus has to find a new viable uh, body to infect. And the more bodies that have already been infected, guess what? Less chance you're going to have a transfer, which means that kills the virus. It starves itself to death. Well, a vaccine, what does a vaccine do? It effectively, it infects people. You're getting infected with uh, a part of the virus that your body can then create antibodies. Well, it's creating artificial herd immunity. Yet we've been told that herd immunity is not a possibility. But a vaccine, that's what a, a vaccine is. It's all about creating herd immunity artificially. So when you hear people talk about vaccines and herd immunity and they poo-poo the natural occurrence of herd immunity, you know that there's this disjointed thinking. Why is it disjointed? Because they're living in an abstract world, just like the Oompa Loompa is living in an abstract world. And when the Oompa Loompa closes down in-room dining, she's doing it because she's blaming you for not stopping the virus. Well, you know what? Can you stop the virus? There are a lot of states, a lot of countries that have tried to isolate the virus, lock it down, and it has shown that it's resilience, that it can't be done that way. Yet the Oompa Loompa is going to punish business in, in New Mexico because that's her paradigm. As I said, Donald Trump laid out an idea of postponing the election uh, last week. Uh, he's still floating the idea. And he's still going to continue to get pushback on that. Does he have a legitimate right to postpone the election? I don't think he does. I don't think he has any uh, powers to postpone the election. But it's not really about postponing the election. Donald Trump floated the idea just to show the hypocrisy within the uh, national media, the national press, that they're saying everything is so bad that we've got to close businesses. We've got to close this. We've got to close that. We can't have school, in-person schooling. Uh, all these different aspects. And he goes, well, if it's that bad, isn't it bad enough to postpone the election? And, of course, the national press goes, no, 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 no. Why? Because they think they have an opportunity here. And we know why Donald Trump does what he does, why he floats his blow. He, he's basically a pugilist. He's a fighter. And he's just trying to find some way to fight back because he's been neutered. This uh, coronavirus is not in his hands. It's in the state's hands. And he understands that. And therefore, he, his voice has been somewhat shuttered. But when we look at the mail-in ballots and, and his power to uh, try to push back the election, he really didn't have that, that power. Now, the mail-in ballots, are they going to be problematic? Here's the biggest issue. You've got three months plus to strategize on how to defeat the precautions put in place for mail-in ballots. And I think that that is troubling. And it's troubling in many ways because look what's happened over the last four years, nearly four years of President Trump's uh, presidency. The national press has done whatever it can to kind of get rid of him, to try to get rid of him. 
whether it's Russian interference, therefore Russian collusion, whether it's the Russian probe, Stormy Daniels and campaign finance, then impeachment. Every one of these things was driven by the national media to get rid of Donald Trump. Do you think now that they are beyond playing fair or that they're not going to look for some way to undermine this mail-in ballot election? Of course they are. Why? Because that's who they are. That's what they've been trying to do for nearly four years. And so it's reasonable to be concerned about this. You've got three-plus months to find a way to kind of strategize against the precautions put in place for the mail-in ballots. To believe that there's not going to be some malfeasance associated with this is Pollyannish. The issue is, will Donald Trump prevail? Will his campaign prevail? We don't know that yet. But I do think that the mail-in ballot is troubling. And it's troubling because of the behavior, the past behavior of the national media, of the Democrats. They went into impeachment on Donald Trump. And I've got this suite on my website, danbutterfield.com. The impeachment aspect, that was a boondoggle. And anybody willing to, to spend any time on it could understand that the facts were that Donald Trump simply followed the law. He followed the National Defense Authorization Act of 2019. He followed the statutory language in that legislation, which meant once the Ukrainian parliament was dissolved by President Zelensky, you couldn't fulfill the wishes of Congress. Well, how many congressional members, including Nancy Pelosi and Ben Ray Lujan, signed on to that? How many put their John Hancocks on that? And if they did, did they read the legislation? Probably not. But they're all willing to get rid of Donald Trump. The national media is willing to get rid of Donald Trump on the hearsay of a whistleblower and on innuendo. So this is the problematic aspect of things, is that Donald Trump has been persecuted for nearly four years by the national press. They think that they're not going to misuse, abuse the mail-in ballot. You know, I'm hard-pressed to see that not taking place. I really am. I'm hard-pressed not seeing that taking place. And again, with Adam Schiff, when you look at what he did with this impeachment, especially with the Ukrainian Security Assistance Initiative, he used the notion that Donald Trump had somehow jeopardized national security. Well, if you read the NDAA 2019, what you find out in the language, it's in the language of that legislation, and it does talk about national security. Well, how did Adam Schiff know that? He had to have read the NDAA uh, 2019. He had to have read that specific language, and he did. But he went forth with impeachment anyways. He knew that Donald Trump actually was following the wishes of Congress because Zelensky had disband the Ukrainian parliament, and that parliament was not going to be reseated until late August, at which time Donald Trump then allowed the OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, to release the funds. But this is the whole thing about that swamp in D.C. It's the DOD, the OMB, it's Congress, it's the press. They're all playing games. Games that don't benefit the American public. And so Donald Trump was elected to kind of stand up for stand up for the little guy. And well he's being, you know, bashed because he's not playing the normal game, the normal DC game. And that's something that could be problematic with this mail in ballot. 
The malfeasance is there. The potential for malfeasance is there. And I don't think the national press would bat an eye if there was all kinds of uh, bad behavior with regard, with regard to the mail-in ballot. Oompa Loompa extended lockdown until the end of August. Okay, we've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks, that this outcome was always going to come. She was always looking for a way to lock the economy down. Why? Her paradigm has always been infections. Well, when we look back at when she first lifted the lockdown, why did she do that? Because at that time, I said on this program, infections had not gone down. In fact, based on infections, she should have maintained her lockdown. Absolutely should have maintained her lockdown. Not because I believe the lockdown is right. It's not. It's asinine. But based on her paradigm, her logic, her world, she should have maintained that lockdown. Well, why didn't she? Well, because there's one other paradigm in there. One other thing that that crept into that. She had bought non-essential jewelry. Got to remember that. At the time that she made the order to ease the lockdown, she had her hand caught in the cookie jar. She had purchased non-essential jewelry. What does she want to do with the... The, that issue. So she had to bury that issue. And how do you bury it? Well, I'll ease the lockdown. People will be so relieved about having the lockdown ease that guess what? This issue of non-essential jewelry will just go by the wayside. And that's what she, her calculation was. is all political. How to get out from underneath her stupidity. And that was stupid to buy non-essential jewelry. Must had to have it. She had to have it. And therefore, what she has to engage in is a find a way to deceive the public away from the non-essential jewelry. Let's focus back on something else. And so she lifted her lockdown. But at that time, I said on this program, the infection rate has not gone down. If she's true to her word, true to her paradigm, she would have maintained the lockdown. And so now we see this spike in infections. You know, is it really a spike in infections or is it a spike in, in testing? You know, is it the cart or the horse? Which one's coming first here? And at the end of the day, she's always gone, wanted to go back to locking down the economy. And as I said with the, the restaurants, dine in, dine out, it's illegal. You can't discriminate. And that's what it is. It's discrimination against one business versus another business based on what asset they have. So if you don't have an outside dining area, a food court outside, then you're being discriminated against. And we have to ask, where's the science behind that? There is none. You have to take your mask off to eat, regardless, inside, outside. And so if there's going to be a problem with spreading the virus because you're not wearing a face covering, it doesn't matter where you're eating. You've got to have that face covering out in the public, wherever you are. Well, not if you're going to eat outside at a restaurant. And I'm trying to make sense of that. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. I'm going, like, this is about as stupid as it gets. But that makes sense to me because there is no rhyme or reason to what's taking place. The in-school uh, or in-person school for, for kids, that's just a political thing as well. That's a union saying, oh, we don't, we don't want to put our teachers in harm's way. Like, your teachers are in harm's way regardless, especially since we understand that the kids, the youth, especially really young kids, don't seem to spread this virus very, very effectively. Well, if they don't spread it very effectively... You're not in any greater danger being in a schoolroom or a classroom than you are out in the everyday public. 
but it's become uh, it's pol- politics. And so here's where we are. We, we've got the, all this politics. And oh, now we've still got all these, you know, uh, charts and data coming out of Dr. Gracie and, and the Oompa Loompa. Lots of, lots of charts and data. No details, really. If you look at the data, there's really no detail. Very little true information. There's no correlation between infections and hospitalizations. We're still on this mantra of flattening the curve, which so the Oompa Loompa means getting rid of the coronavirus. Flattening the curve never was about that. Flattening the curve was all about not overwhelming your hospital uh, or healthcare system, not overwhelming your healthcare capacity. Could you provide healthcare uh, for the needs of those people who are infected? Could you have enough capacity that you could not have to turn away a patient? And that was the whole thing about the flatten the curve, but it's been so bastardized by the Oompa Loompa, we believe it's to get rid of the coronavirus. It's never meant to do that. Therefore, we don't get any correlation between hospitalization or infections and hospitalization, and infections are cases. And again, that's just to promote more severity of it. The reality it's infections and hospitalization. And we look at the hospitalizations, they're below 160. Our ICU beds are around 344. And again, when we look at ICU beds, we're hearing all this on the national media. Oh, ICU beds are at capacity. Okay, how many ventilators are being used? Give me the details. Give me the rest of the information, the data that I can make an informed decision. If I'm looking at a hospitalization, I want to know how many, how many days is that person in a hospital bed? When you're saying they're in an ICU bed, are they there because they need to <clears throat> access a ventilator? And the ventilator is the prime uh, consideration for being in an ICU bed. Yeah, you get around-the-clock care, but for most of these patients, would a regular hospital bed do? And if that's the case, then why are we talking about ICU bed capacity? Why are we saying that that's being overwhelmed? Is it because hospital administrators are saying, listen, I get paid way more money if I put this person in an ICU bed rather than just a regular bed. Is that something causal there? But we can't make that true determination without all the data. I want to know how, how long is the hospital stay for somebody with coronavirus. I want to know how many of the ICU beds are, require ventilators. I want to know how many of those hospitalizations are precautionary. I want to know all this different information so I can make an informed choice. Well, you're not given that Latitude. You're not given that information because you might be able to make an informed decision. Again, it comes down to information. Information is power. The mainstream media controls that information and what you're going to get. Therefore, they control the power. And that's exactly how they like it. Again, Dr. Scracy here in the state of New Mexico is saying, well, I think we got more infections because younger people are contracting the, the virus. He doesn't come out and say no, it's because more people are getting tested. You know, it's it's a kind of an odd duh, of course. The more people get tested, the more likelihood for a positive result. Especially if those people are pre-screening, which they should be. People should not be going out and getting tested uh, unless they've actually got symptoms. More important, nobody should test unless they actually need to seek out medical attention. Because by seeking out a test, you are allowing the Oompa Loompa to simply go out there and, and use those numbers. And she's going to use those numbers in the way that she wants to use those numbers, not the way that it benefits you. She doesn't care about how it benefits you. 
She only cares about how it benefits her paradigm. And so that's where her mindset is. And that's why there's no rhyme to reason to all this stuff, because it's all political. It's all to benefit her paradigm. As I said, the MBA is back. I've decided I can do without it. Uh, I really am disappointed in the fact that all these players are wearing slogans on the back of their shirts, not their names. They're, you know, Black Lives Matter, Freedom, uh, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm a man, all these different things. And I get back to Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling was uh, stripped of his NBA franchise because he was labeled a racist. And there was no evidence that he was a racist. In fact, all the evidence in regard to Donald Sterling and his history is that he actually promoted blacks into management positions. He promoted black uh, agendas. He never did the opposite. Yeah, he ended up having a, a relationship with uh, one V. Stiviano, Girl, Girl Friday, whatever. Uh, and he was trying to give her some fatherly, fatherly advice at one point in time. He said, listen, and it's because of her skin tone. She didn't have to hang out with gangster rapsters. Rap, rap, rapsters. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. She didn't have to hang out with a certain element. She chose to. And he was saying, hey, listen, in this world, a lot of people are going to measure you by who you associate with. And that's all he was telling. And the issue I have really with the nine and a half minute secretly taped conversation, he never used the N-word. But the bigger issue is that we never had a conversation about this. We never explored the fact that, you know what, this probably was an ongoing discussion. Something was deeper here than this one conversation. But this one conversation was leaked by Miss Stiviani. Why she wanted her 15 minutes of fame, whatever. She was not happy with Donald Sterling uh, telling her that there are realities in this world. She wasn't happy with, actually, Donald Sterling's uh, estranged wife, Shelly Sterling, was trying to take back a bunch of gifts that Donald Sterling had given Miss Stiviani. Hundreds of thousands. I think it was a couple million dollars worth of gifts. So there's an underlying reason for Miss Stiviano setting up the old man. And the old man was, you know, in his early 80s at the time. And throughout this whole thing, again, I have lived in the South. I have been around racist people. And I will tell you, the use of the N-word for a racist, it's, it comes out pretty readily. It's not something you have to coax out of, out of somebody who's a racist. In the case of uh, the heated debate between Sterling and Stiviano, he never used the N-word. Never once. And when you dis dissect that conversation, it, what it came down to was a conversation about him not being happy that she was hanging out with Magic Johnson. And quite frankly, I think Magic Johnson is kind of scum. I really do. He could have gone to Donald Sterling and asked for uh, courtside seats, which he eventually shared with Stiviano. But he, what he did is he went through Stiviano, the girlfriend, to get courtside seats. And you got to understand power here. And this is where you know my editor gets lost. Power is not her bailiwick. And so when you look at the power dynamic here, you have to understand L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers. Magic Johnson is not a nice guy. Okay, He was routinely uh, critical of the Clippers, routinely critical of Sterling in his franchise. 
And what ended up happening with all this stuff, when you look at it, there's a lot of animosity there. So when the Clippers were good, Magic Johnson wanted to be in the limelight. He wanted to be on center stage. He wanted to be down there at courtside because the Clippers were good. Well, how do you ask Donald Sterling, the person that you've alienated, for courtside tickets? You don't. You go through his girlfriend. She was so so enamored with being part of the, the spotlight, of being part of the famous group, that she was willing to uh, basically stab Mr. Sterling in the back and give uh, Magic Johnson access to courtside seats. Sterling would have done that, but it would have meant that Magic Johnson would have had to come on bent knee. Magic Johnson would have had to acquiesce power to Mr. Sterling, saying, okay, yes, I need something from you. Well, that's a, that's a mindset. That's a power, power move. And I think that that's what, exactly what uh, Magic Johnson was involved with. And so he goes, I'm going to go through the back channels. I'm going to go back door on this. I'm going to allow his girlfriend to stab him in the back. And she did. And I'm sure that Donald Sterling was not pleased with that. In fact, when you read or you read the nine and a half minutes, you can't really listen to it. You have to read it. You have to understand it. Allow it to sink in. Reflect on it. And it's all about Magic Johnson. It's all about betrayal by Stiviano on this one issue. And Magic Johnson, as I said... He could have gone to the owner of the L.A. Clippers and said, listen, I'm really interested in getting some courtside seats. Can, I, can you float me a couple of seats? But that would have given the upper hand to Donald Sterling. And again, when you look at this power dynamic, Magic Johnson wasn't about to do that. So what he did was he was willing to go use Miss Diviana and her desire to be famous. And, of course, that irritated uh, Mr. Sterling. Of course, he was irate about that. And we don't know, again... We have a nine and a half minute conversation. We don't know what predated that. And I guarantee it was all about how dare you stab me in the back with, with Magic Johnson. How dare you do that behind my back? And again, when you have this previous conversation that we are not privy to, all the names may have come out at that time. All the, the, the specific issues may have come out previous to the nine and a half minutes. And so the nine and a half minutes... You don't need to have names spoken. Why? You already know what the issue is. You don't have to have all these other details. Why? They've already been explored. But what we get is this little, this little clip, nine and a half minutes, that's rather meaningless. But my point for bringing this up is the hypocrisy. The NBA, the players, the black players within the NBA persecuted Donald Sterling, called him a racist without any evidence. And now they want equal treatment. Well, they don't want equal treatment. They don't want to be treated like Donald Sterling. For, heaven forbid. No, we don't want that. What we want was we want you to give us stuff. Well, here's what the NBA players could do as a whole. Take 80% of your salaries. Put them toward these causes you're talking about. You really want to do something about this? Put your money where your mouth is. You hear anybody's talking about that? No. Nobody's talking about that amongst these NBA players. They just want a handout. More, 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 more. Listen to me, do what I want you to do, and you owe me. Well, we don't owe you anything. You owe yourself something if that's what you believe in. Take 80% of your salary. Put it toward the cause that you're talking about. Freedom. I'm a man. Black Lives Matter. Go ahead. Put that money toward that. Absolutely do that. But don't tell others what they have to do. And here's the level of hypocrisy in the national press. Ellen DeGeneres. Okay, her program, her show, there's allegations of racism. 
that certain black employees were told they had to understand their place, that they couldn't approach Ellen. Is this Ellen saying this? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I look at Steve Harvey, a black TV host. He had a similar sort of policy. Listen, I'm busy. Don't approach me. You know, and, and I have understand that. I understand that at the end of the day, if you're busy and you are a personality, you'd be the nicest person in the world, but you've got to get your, your daily work done. And so I understand that aspect of it. But the hypocrisy to me is that look at how many people are coming out for Ellen DeGeneres and they're bending over backwards saying she's not a racist. And the national press is going along with that. Whereas with Donald Sterling, he's a racist. And oh, by the way, they piled on. They took uh, a lawsuit, Elgin Baylor lawsuit, which was an age-related termination lawsuit, which also had race involved with it. And they basically labeled Donald Sterling a racist because of that lawsuit. When in fact, Elgin Baylor had to be hired in the first place. He had to be hired in order to be fired. He was hired in the early 80s to be a GM, one of the first GMs within the NBA. Yet Donald Sterling, no, he's a racist. And that's the hypocrisy. And so when you have a hypocrisy, you can't get on board with any of that stuff. Because if you're a hypocrite, why would I follow you? You're, you're talking out both sides of your mouth. In the case of you know, the NBA players, as I said, I'm done with it. I, I, the NBA, I was always kind of iffy on it because the referees basically dictate who wins the game. The superstars, the NBA dictates who the superstars are and how they're going to be treated and how they're going to get beneficial treatment. You know, I'd like to have LeBron James have equality, treated like any other player. You're not going to be. Well, okay. So I'd, I've kind of backed away from the NBA for a number of years. And this latest episode, you know, I said, I'm done with it. You know, I've got a favorite team, Boston Celtics, but guess what? I've, I'm done with it. I'm done with this hypocrisy. I'm done with the game fixing. I'm done with the NBA and the referees deciding who wins. And so this latest episode, it just, it's over the top. And I think that a lot of the NBA players need to understand it, but they don't, and they won't, because they're detached from the fan base. And it's an odd thing. Again, like I said last week, my editor had pointed out that a plane had flown over the Bristol Speedway, you know, towing behind it a Confederate flag, and massive cheers by the NASCAR Local fans, you know, they understand that they've been denied, been told that they can't have their tradition and they don't like it. And so when somebody showed them, yeah, listen, we can do it this way. There was an ovation for that because that's the reality. People don't like to be told what they can believe in and what they can't believe in. And it doesn't mean the Confederate flag is racist. It's not. It's tradition. And so that's where we are with this kind of MBA, but the hypocrisy with Ellen DeGeneres, I don't understand how anybody can look themselves in the mirror because her program, whether or not it's her or not, I don't think it probably is, but her program, her producers, they have created a hostile environment for minority workers. And yet, everybody's bending over backwards for her. Nobody bent over backwards for Donald Sterling. Rich white guy. Oh, you know, we get to crap all over him. And the reality is, he probably has never been a racist, probably never going to be a racist. 
He's done a lot more for black lives than Ellen DeGeneres has, a lot more than any of these NBA players have, and yet he was vilified. And that was the national press. Again, we get down to false narratives. The power of the megaphone, that's what the national press has, and they can dictate whatever story they want to be reality. Donald Sterling is a racist, so okay, he's a racist. Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Okay, Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Uh, with the Russians. Donald Trump impeached him because he, you know, he put national security at risk. He tried to use Ukrainian uh, security assistance initiative to leverage some information on Joe Biden. It's all nonsense. But that's the, what you get with a national media out of control. And that is the biggest problem we have going us right now is we have a national media that's out of control. Is there enough energy in the environment today to change that? Don't know. Talked about you know like a little bit with the politics with Ben Ray Lujan and Social Torres Small. They're out there in full cam- campaign mode, and don't see any re- Republicans out there. I mean, Mark Ronchetti complained about the fact that the shutdown is prevent- preventing him from campaigning freely. Because of course it is. Well, the Democrats have got the same uh, competitive disadvantage. Why is he complaining? He's complaining because he, he's wanting to ride on Donald Trump's coattails instead of going out there and making his own uh, way. And his own way could be very easily done. I mean, crime in New Mexico is skyrocketing. It's off the charts. Why not propose a federal stand-your-ground policy much like that of uh, the state of Texas? How much media coverage would you get if you put that kind of policy out there? How about uh, military families in this, this state? A lot of military families, not only the military bases, but you've got all the retirees. They say, okay, what could you do to say, I'm going to support the military family? Hey, I support Donald Trump in getting out of Afghanistan. I support getting out of uh, Syria. I support pulling troops out of South Korea. I support pulling troops out of NATO. Mark Ronchetti could take that position. That's a position paper. Uh, that's just a a position that he could take. I'm not saying that he should you know, say, I'm going to do everything that Donald Trump wants to do. No. He should be looking at what's the best interest of New Mexicans. And when you look at uh, the military families in this, this state, you know, you don't want to put military soldiers in harm's way if you don't have to. Don't need to be in Afghanistan. Don't need to be in Syria. Don't need to be in uh, NATO to the degree where can pull troops out of South Korea. Let's go ahead and say, Take a position of supporting New Mexicans. And the military family in New Mexico is a big portion of that. Mark Ronchetti could do that. No, he's complaining that he can't go out and campaign. No, I was counting on I was going to be able to go out and campaign door to door. Dude, everybody throws you, every, life throws you a bunch of lemons. You've got to make lemonade out of it. Another thing he could be campaigning on is, is Medicare for All. You can be taking on Ben Ray Lujan on that. Medicare for all is a government-sanctioned health care plan. Well, Medicaid doesn't work. Medicaid is hard on the health care industry. How do you make money if you're running a hospital? How do you make money if you're running a uh, practice, medical practice? You make it off private insurance. You don't make it off Medicaid. And you don't make it off, off Medicare. But if you're going to push everything down the federal pathway, then what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to take 
all the healthcare workers in this state, and I'm going to put them under the federal uh, thumb. And you know what the federal government's going to do? They're going to say, okay, we're over budget here. Let's cut here, here, and here. And it's all going to be cuts to Medicaid and Medicare. So what ends up happening? That means that the healthcare providers take it in the shorts. If I'm Mark Ronchetti, I'd be playing that up. I say, okay, if we go down the Medicare for all, that means healthcare workers are going to be the ones who get hurt. That's a novel approach. But he's not doing anything novel. He's just, you know, doing the same old, same old. And the Republican Party is not fighting back. Again, I think at the end of the day, if you really want to, to win the state, if Donald Trump wants to win the state, I think that he has to uh, demonstrate that the Oompa Loompa has done great harm to this state. And it has to be a statewide campaign, basically against the Oompa Loompa. Because what she's done has generated a lot of anger. And she's done it for personal reasons politics. She's never been able to prove that there's any science to this because there was never any science. She's talking about flattening the curve and it was flattening the curve paradigm was never about getting rid of the coronavirus. It was all about making sure you didn't overwhelm your healthcare capacity. Well, we never did. You know, if I was putting a slogan out there, I'd say 535 223. What does that mean? Well, let's put those, I would just put those numbers out. The way I would do it. I just put those numbers up, 535, 223, and just had people try to figure out what the heck those numbers mean. On this program, I'll tell you what those numbers mean. Five hospitalizations, March 20th, that's what landed us in a lockdown. Five total hospitalizations. On April 3rd, she reinforced it using infections, saying 485 was enough infections to shutter the economy. At the time, 35 hospitalizations. This state has 344 ICU beds. The peak hospitalizations due to the coronavirus in this state, 223. So if you're going to use a hashtag, go out there and create a hashtag, 535-223. That it demonstrates the malfeasance of the government more than anything else. That we never overwhelmed our healthcare capacity, never were going to. And the demographics of this state were never going to be problematic regarding COVID-19. We already had social distancing just by the pace, based on how the demographics of this state are laid out. But she used, misused, abused infections, now labeled as cases, to justify shuttering the economy, hurting so many New Mexico, New Mexicans. Is, that, is there enough energy there to turn that around? Is there enough energy now to make the state change its ideas. Guess what? The power that she's using, that's all come from the state legislature. Do you agree with that power? Uh, maybe then it's the best time to go ahead and, and elect people into the legislature that are going to change that paradigm, are going to move away from Democrats and move toward a more conservative notion. And again, I'm not picking either party. I'm just saying here's the outcome when you have that one-sided power. You have a governor who was given a level of autonomy to use and abuse power, and she's done that. She's done just that. And so what we have now is we've got the shuttering of the economy. We've got just asinine edict of you can't dine in, but you can dine outside. There is no difference between the two. You've got to wear your face covering everywhere, but unless you're dining out. You're going to exercise, you've got to wear your face covering. 
but you can't dine inside. And you got to wear your face coverings everywhere. And we're going to make sure you enforce it because we're going to give you citations. We're going to write you up if you don't follow our rules. So until next time, remember what you know. Don't get caught up in the hysteria. Tune in to this program every Saturday. No agenda, no spin. Think for yourself. You can't trust the media to do that for you. Make a difference. Share with friends, coworkers, and family. Start your own movement. If you liked the, what you heard on this program today, drop me a line at orbydb at gmail.com. That's O-R-B-Y-D-B at gmail.com. Hopefully they didn't like that, right? The who let the dogs out portion. <laughs> and, or let Eddie know through text or email. Uh, it's time to take the power back from the mainstream media. And the only way you could do that is through round, ground roots movement. Well, folks, you've been tuned into the evil machinations from the irreverent mind of Dan Butterfield on Occam's Razor with Dan Butterfield, presented by the Kiva, home of high IQ radio, where content is king. We appreciate you taking a part of your day with us. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>